Everyone loves bread. I love bread. You love bread. We eat breakfast. Uh, we eat bread. Bread stacked on bread with syrup and sugar and butter. Uh, for lunch, it's whatever we put between bread. Dinner, if you go out to a restaurant, they usually serve you bread before you eat anything else. Your meal is going to consist of bread. Somebody invites you over for dinner or a meal. There's generally bread. We love bread. It's just a staple of our diet. It has been for thousands and thousands of years. As long as humans have been around, there's been bread. Uh, and you're like, well, is it really that popular? You know bread is everywhere when you try not to eat bread. So if you're like on a carbless diet or something like that, uh, and you start to you know, just live life, you see how much we eat bread and incorporate bread into everything we do. Bread's just everywhere. It's everywhere in our world. It's everywhere in the Bible. In Genesis, after the fall, Adam is told, you're going to sweat and labor for bread. The sweat of your face, you shall eat bread. Abraham broke bread with visitors. Even in the sacrificial system, after animals were sacrificed, there was to be a grain offering, a bread offering. We as New Testament Christians are to break bread together. That means we're to fellowship together. We're also going to break bread later today, remembering the work of Jesus. Bread is everywhere. In Exodus, we see bread used in a very unique way of which displays the character of God. And it's an event that also points to the greater work of Jesus that happens thousands of years later in the Gospel of John. We're talking about Jesus in the Torah, in the first five books of the Bible. It doesn't say the name Jesus, but there's events, people, types that point to the work of Jesus. And as we talk about bread, we see one such type in Exodus 16. So everybody turn to Exodus 16. We're going to open up our Bibles. Uh, Central Bible Church means uh, we, we, we want to focus on reading God's Word. And so have Exodus 16. If you don't have a Bible or didn't bring one, we have physical Bibles back there for you uh, to take and read. Raise your hand. John Guthrie will just sling one right at you. He's an ultimate Frisbee champ, and so uh, he can do that for you. But in Exodus 16, here's the context. You really wanted to throw that, John, didn't you? In Exodus 16, here's the context. Israel has broken free from Egyptian bondage. We all know the story. Drake sang it last week. Pharaoh, Pharaoh, let my people go. Uh, and uh, the people are free. They leave. Uh, and they're headed to the land that was promised to their descendants, to their forefathers. The land that was promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. I don't know how that practically works. It sounds messy, uh, but it does sound delicious. And on this journey, they ultimately, uh, that ultimately took decades, as we later find out, food was scarce. There weren't apple trees everywhere. Uh, there wasn't wild game everywhere. They're in the wilderness. And these people have been in slavery for hundreds of years. They don't exactly know how to live alone out in the wild. And so we get to Exodus 16. So look at Exodus 16. We're going to read verses 1 through 3. They set out from Elam, and all the congregation of the people of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which was between Elam and Sinai, 
on the 15th day of the second month after they departed from the land of Egypt and the whole congregation of people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron, the leaders of this party in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full. For you two guys have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. So they say, I wish we had died by God's hand in Egypt instead of being delivered by it. Do you remember what life was like? You know, we were enslaved. We were regularly beaten and, and put to manual labor, but the meat was good and there was bread. There's at least something to eat. It sounds a lot better than this. This type of freedom doesn't, isn't super fun right now. Look at 4 through 5. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I'm about to rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day, that I may test them, whether they will walk in my law or not. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. So God here, God is reminding Israel of his provisional loving nature. God is going to take care of his people. God is going to provide for them. I am your provision. Bread from heaven will rain down and give you what you need each and every day to live. And each and every day, you're going to go out and gather what you need just for that day. Any excess is going to rot, it's going to spoil, they later find out. But you are to gather your, your daily portion. So Israel, they were to have full bellies and empty pantries. You're to have full bellies and empty pantries, a situation that forced them to do what? To rely on God every 24 hours. Every 24 hours, I got to trust that God's going to provide. My belly's full, the pantry's not. I'm going to trust God and his promises every single day. And on the sixth day, they were to collect a double portion so that they didn't need to collect on the seventh day. They could rest. God's already preparing them for the fourth commandment given by Moses later on. about Sabbath taking. And so later, what God promises, this bread will come down, you'll gather, it happens. Jump down to verse 13. Go down to verse 13. In the evening quail, there was meat involved in this too, which is awesome. If you've ever had quail wrapped in bacon, amazing. Uh, they couldn't have done that. But in the evening, quail came up and covered the camp. And the morning dew lay around the camp. And when the dew had gone up, there was on the face of the wilderness a fine flake-like thing, fine as frost on the ground. When the people of Israel saw it, they said to one another, what is it? That term, what is it, is actually, uh, it sounds a lot like manna, or some say is manna, but what is it? 
for they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, it is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. Go down to 31. What's this bread like? Now the house of Israel called its name manna. It was like coriander seed, white, and it tastes, and the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. So honey grams from heaven rained down. Just, just, just a quick question for you before we move on. Is God your provision? Is God your provision? Do you trust him to provide for you? Do you trust God to meet your needs, your daily needs? Or does the stress of trying to fill up your cabinets to make sure that your cabinets are full, does that stress drown out your ability to trust God in faith and rest in his provision? Jesus tells us to pray, give us our day, our daily bread. Give us what we need today to do your will. That's the idea. Give us our daily manna. Give us what we need today to do what you want us to do. Are you content with your creator if your cupboards aren't as full as you would like them to be as long as it means doing God's will? Because oftentimes, what God has called us to, how God desires us to be, what we're moved to do in scripture, it may mean that your, your cupboards aren't as full as you would like them to be. He may call you into a season where you are literally relying daily on God's provision. I need God to show up today pay my rent, to feed my children, to, to, to do what I need to do. Do you trust your creator? Are you willing to, to submit and follow his will? Even if it means that security and comfort and those things aren't there. Because he promises all throughout scripture to feed you, to clothe you, and to shelter you. To sustain you. Is God your provision? Is God your provision? So let's summarize here. God demonstrates his provision by raining bread from heaven for Israel. This bread is meant to fill their bellies, to daily nourish them physically. This bread will perish. It will rot if they try to collect and keep it. It won't last more than a day, which in turn forces them to trust God daily with their needs. Their only response is to trust God and go out and gather that bread. And no more. I'm just I'm gonna get up every day. I'm gonna gather that bread. Okay. Now turn to John 6. We've looked at the Torah. We've looked at Exodus. Now let's read John 6 in light of Exodus 16. In John 6, Jesus has just miraculously fed a multitude of people. So it started out as five loaves of bread and two fishes turned into 12 baskets of leftovers. Jesus leaves. A group of people were like, that's pretty awesome. They follow him and this conversation ensues. Look at 25. 
When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Jesus says, you've come to me because you want more bread. You want physical food. And, and it's not bad to, to desire physical food. Many of us travel great distances to, to get the best hamburger in town or to get the best pizza in town. And those are good God-given gifts. But Jesus is like, you need to aim higher to food that doesn't perish, spoil, or fade. There is food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man provides. Look at verse 28 and 29. They asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe and the one he has sent. And so they're like, this bread sounds nice. What do I have to do to get this bread? Like what sort of uh, line do I have to wait in? Do I have to get a membership? Uh, you know, can I, can I sign up for an email? And, and, and can the store let me know when this sort of special uh, eternal life-giving bread is in stock? Like if there's hoops, you know, when do I need to jump through them? And how do I jump through them? Like how do I get, what, what sort of things do I need to do? What motions do I need to go through to receive, to get my hands on this life-giving bread? What do I need to do? And Jesus is like, it's not about doing. It's about what? Belief. It's about believing in the Messiah, the person and work of Jesus. God requires from us only faith to receive eternal life. Me and my son were were talking the other night and we were talking about the main difference between Christianity and, and every other world religion. And, and we tend to think Christianity is just one of many. A better way to think of it is, is Christianity is really one system. And, and every world religion somewhat falls under a different system. Do you remember when we were talking about that, Asher? How Christianity is different than every other world religion? Do you remember How? <laughs> I'm doing such a good job. I just guarantee that. Uh, it's grace. This system, every, every major world religion falls under this system of, of merit, of, of works, of I, I need to do this, I need to, to say this, I need to practice this, I need to meditate long enough, and then I may earn this. Whether it's, you know, transcendence or, you know, nirvana or... or eternal life or, you know, maybe I'm, you know, my karma uh, gets me into a better place the next cycle around. There, there is a system of merit. I do this, I earn this. Christianity is very different. It's radically different. It's I believe this and I receive this. I have faith in the person and work of Christ and I receive a gift. I have faith that I'm a sinner 
I have faith that Jesus took my place on the cross and paid for my sin so that I could have eternal life. They were called to, to gather the bread in Exodus, to get up every day and to, to fill baskets, their daily portion. We gather through faith. We eat through faith. We receive the bread of life through faith in Christ and his work on the cross, his death and resurrection on our behalf. That is how we receive eternal life. Look at verse 30. So they asked him, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate manna in the wilderness as it is written. He, this he is Moses here, gave them bread from heaven to eat. So they challenged Jesus here. They're challenging Jesus with Exodus 16. Hey, Jesus, you just, uh, you know, you multiplied physical bread. Great. That was cool. Moses made it rain bread from heaven. What sort of miracle are you going to do to show your authority, your superiority? And this is what Jesus says in 32. You know, we're reading a lot. Keep following along. Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, it's not Moses who's given you the bread from heaven, but it's my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. A couple things about verse 33. For the bread of God is the bread. Most translations have either a he or the one there. For the bread of God is he, or is the one, is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life. And if you want to underline something, underline life to the world. Life to the world. So here's what Jesus is saying. First, get your facts straight. Moses didn't make it rain bread. Our Father in heaven sent bread down. Not Moses. Furthermore, I'm not just the provider of bread. I am the bread myself. And if I wasn't clear in verse 33, let, let me spell it out to you. Look at verse 35. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. How about that for a miracle? The Father sent bread with Moses in Exodus. I am the bread of life. Whoever receives me, whoever believes in me and comes to me will never go hungry. Thousands of years ago, God provided bread for Israel, physical bread from heaven. But the bread was bread. It was bread. It gave them what they needed every 24 hours. It gave them some caloric energy to, to do what they needed to do that day. Yes, their bellies would be full. But apart from the grace of God, they would still die in a state of sin apart from God forever. Eternal death was still a problem. Therefore, a greater provision was needed. They weren't just physically hungry. We're not just physically hungry. We are spiritually desperate. 
and we need God to provide. So God again demonstrated his provisional heart by sending Jesus, the bread of life from heaven, but not just for Israel this time. Who does the bread of life come to now? To the entire world. Not just Israel. The whole world now has the opportunity to receive this heaven-sent manna, a manna that never spoils or perishes, a bread that has the ability to do much more than keep you physically alive for another day. It has the ability to impart spiritual life. He says as much in 48. Look at verse 48. I'm the bread of life. Your fathers ate manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I give for the life of the world is my flesh. This is the bread. Look at verse 58. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Live forever. We receive bread that imparts eternal life. We saw it all over there. Live forever, live forever, live forever. This bread is not just to sustain us physically. This bread is to give us life eternal. Life that never, like the bread itself, spoils or perishes or fades. Life for, what is eternal life? Eternal life is just a word we love to throw around in church. Eternal life, eternal life, eternal life. What is eternal life? If, if eternal life is just more of this, I mean, I love you guys. I love my wife. I love my kids. I love my life. I love my family. But if eternal life is, is just, you know, existing here and, and living life is normal and kind of toiling and and working hard. I mean, okay, but uh, it, it doesn't sound too exciting to, to think that in a, in a thousand years, I'm gonna still look like this and uh, you know, uh, be working and hurting and, and physically in pain and, and sin affecting. I mean, what is eternal life? What is eternal life? I was reading an article this week that talked about eternal life is just as much about quality as it is about quantity. When we think of eternal life, we usually think of quantity, life forever, and that's a part of it. Now, we will all physically die, but we will be with God forever. When you put your faith and trust in Jesus, God comes near to you. You are his friend his spirit indwells you, changes you. You are a new creation. Your eternal life has begun. And although you may die, that eternal life does not cease to be. It is uninterrupted by death and you will be with God forever. You're like, yeah, for like 1,500 years? Yes, more than that. Forever. It's hard to comprehend. I'm not sure if time will work the same way. I don't know. I could hypothesize about what forever looks like, but it's forever. And the idea is that God will never depart from us, which, which brings us to, to the second part. It's not just about quantity of time. It's about quality of life. Eternal life has a, a certain quality 
to it that is good. Go back to verse 33. I'm sorry, 35. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Our hearts are hungry and often starving for meaning, peace, contentment, rest, that no material possession, no amount of money, no finished home project, no car, no certain pair of shoes, no number in your bank account, no relationship can seem to satiate. And Jesus says, there's rest in your soul in me. I am the bread of life. I am that which quenches a hungry and thirsty spirit. In me, there is everything your heart desires that this world fails to deliver. I alone bring joy. I alone bring security. I alone bring rest. I am your provider. Some of you guys need to hear this this morning. I am your provider. I am your protector. I am your friend. I am your king. I am your Lord who loves you and cherishes you. Life with me is good. Eternal life is about quantity and and quality. And the bread of life offers both in high degree in this life and in the next. God is your provision in every way. God is your provision in every way. He loves you enough to take care of you daily. Trust him. Be thankful. I'm confident that if you are part of a body of Christ, God will work through that body of Christ to physically give you what you need, manna. What you need to accomplish his will. He is your provision physically. Some of you be like, well, my life's, you're, you're here. You're clothed. Most of you are eating something to sustain you. I don't know how healthy. You're alive. You're able to do God's will today. He'll take care of you today. And although you may doubt it, he'll take care of you tomorrow. He is your provision physically. He is your provision spiritually. He has given you the bread of life that endures to eternal life. His son, Jesus. May we, may you believe in, celebrate, rest in, and worship the father who who sent his son and the son who gave his life for ours so that we could live with both forever. Amen? Let's pray.